Hey, welcome. It is eight minutes after the hour, and uh, powder horn guns and archery and ammo and targets and uh, just about everything else you can think of are in studio with us. They're at 1915 Paris Road, and uh, they brought in some neat firearms. They uh, rifled through their inventory to come up with, and we'll chat about that in a momento with uh, both uh, Jordan and Kelsey. I want to talk about road rage because it's a real problem. It seems to be escalating now. And uh, I've experienced this uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, most recently, a couple of years ago, when I was uh, driving down 70, coming home from, uh, from, uh, uh, from Cleveland, I was in Indiana, and there was a couple. One was in a car. The other was in a truck. My wife and I are cruising along, and all of a sudden, they ju- we don't, to this day, know what it was that set them off. But uh, they were tag-teaming us. They were trying to hem us in. Uh, They'd get in front of us and go slow, and then they wouldn't let us pass. And it can be a very terrifying uh, uh, experience. And we're both concealed carry permit holders. We both had our firearms. Um, So ultimately, uh, while we had our firearms available, uh, we never flashed them. Uh, We never let them know that uh, that we were armed. Uh, and and Jordan, uh, with your experience and background, uh, I'm sure you would uh, acknowledge that that's the right thing to do, not to flash the gun. Try to keep it a non-firearms situation as long as you possibly can. Absolutely. Um, and what we ultimately did, we called 911 uh, to let them know what was going on. Uh, and we got in front of a tractor trailer, and I just pulled in so that I was in front of him, and they couldn't get behind me. Uh, and it, it eventually it frustrated them because they couldn't stop all the traffic on the road. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, eventually they pulled off off the ramp. Um, but what else would you recommend, Jordan, with your background? Is there anything else we could have done? Not really. Your goal is to just get away from whatever situation it is by whatever means are dictated by the other individual. But, uh, you know, everything is different. Every one of those situations progresses differently. But if you can try to just let them, ignore them, don't play along with it, and uh, calling the police is probably the best thing you can do when you're in a moving you know, highway-type situation, when you're not just driving around town where you're going to have to stop or where there's lots Get of stops. In, yeah. yeah, yeah, where there's lots of you know, uh, traffic control devices. It's probably the best thing you can do is just try to keep keep going, maintain, and uh, not become a part of what they want you to become a part of. But it's so hard to talk about those situations as a whole because it is so different. But, yeah, pulling your firearm out while you're driving down the road just to try to scare someone is usually not going to work at all. It's not like the movies. It is not... Yeah, it, people that are mad, it's just going to make them matter. It's going to escalate. A, yeah, if they have a firearm now, they're going to introduce that to the situation. And and uh, it's just, it's no, you, you keep that away till you absolutely have to have it involved in the situation. And that, that's a tough call. It, yeah. The only person that can make that call is you while you're there. Another bad idea is to try to outrun them. <laughs> yes, don't become a part of that. Don't become a part of that. That's playing into what they want and expect you to do. Yeah, so don't outrun them. Try to ignore them. Uh, put yourself uh, in a situation in traffic where they can't uh, box you in or uh, hinder uh, all the traffic on the highway. Uh, It it would be different, I think, if you were in the city, as you pointed out. Uh, You end up at stoplights where people can get out of their car and things can get out of hand. You want to stay in your car. 
but man, like I said, that it's so different for each situation. You know, us uh, us us young men think, okay, well, we're going to take care of this. I'm not going to let someone hit my car, spit on my car, yell at me, whatever. But yeah, who cares? Just uh, you know, <laughs> try to try to suck down your ego for a second and just leave the situation. That if, really is the problem, though, isn't it? Oh it's, yeah, it's ego. It's the ego. <laughs> Absolutely, us uh, us us men and women have have trouble with that, uh, getting that ego out of our way, and so it. Uh, well, you're not going to do that to me. You're not going to say that to me. And I mean, I get it. You, know, you have a, a right to defend your property and stuff, but uh, sometimes it may not be the 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 best course of action when you can just uh, go away and not really worry about it in the long run. I'll bet men are much more likely. <laughs> to be a problem than women. We get our feelings hurt uh, easier in that kind of situations, don't we? We tend to, to baby about it. Well, you can't talk to me like that. And yeah, it's well, it's pretty sad. All we got is show or macho. <laughs> That's right. Especially we, if there's a lady in the car. Oh, yeah. Now we've got to protect the little lady. <laughs> um, although if I were in the car with Kelsey, I would imagine she would have to protect me because she's probably a better <laughs> shot than me, too. So is my wife. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> You'd have, yeah. Yeah, you'd, have, you'd have to keep her in the car. Yeah, you'd have to keep her in the car and lock the doors. <laughs> Usually it's the woman trying to keep the man in the car. Hey, yeah. they sit down, be quiet, just go. No, Kelsey, stop. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't beat him to death. <laughs> um, what can I say? I'm my father's daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could get you in trouble. But anyway, uh, let's talk about firearms because you, uh, you brought in a couple of uh, nice rifles here. What do we have here? So the first one... Um, I guess we'll talk about the Ruger first, sure. the Mini 30. Um, so everybody knows the Ruger Mini 14 or Mini 14 styled guns. Um, the Mini 30 is the same platform, just in 7.62 by 39 instead of 5.56. Yeah. So <laughs> it's um, a little bit, depends on how you look at it, I guess. I don't want to say better cartridge, bigger is a good, I guess, push. But, um, I mean, the ammo's cheap. Everybody knows SKS, AK-47 ammo. It's the, still cheap. Those mini-series Ruger, Ruger rifles have been around since the six, oh, forever. early 60s, based on an earlier design of, yeah. a, of a military weapon. Um, oh, I shouldn't say that. Um, but uh, <laughs> And it's black. That's right, that's right. Don't. Oh, uh, no, don't. not in black. That, <laughs> yeah. that, now it's even deadlier. Yeah, and it's stainless, and that makes it quieter, I hear. Right. Um, so, now it's, uh, but man, they are great. They're ranch rifles. That's what they were brought up to, and yeah. it, it really was a great use. A lot of farmers had the mini 30s, or the mini 30s and the mini 14s, especially in the 80s and 90s. It was a kind of expensive back then. I think it was five, six hundred bucks, but they would have it with a little ten round and five round magazines in them, and they're great uh, tractor guns for dispatching coyotes and other um, things that they didn't need around the, the farms, and uh, they, they're just, they're a great little rifle, great proven action on those, and they've been hard to get like everything else, so it's nice being able to come back in. You can get 30 round mags, but most people have 10, and I've seen a, a few 20s, but a lot of fives and tens for that. Yeah. Legal for hunting, and, and a great actually uh, compact, lightweight, easy to use deer hunting rifle. Um, when you go, what's the last time you, either one of you have gone deer hunting? Have either one of you Yesterday. done that? Yesterday. Oh, no, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I killed a deer. I killed deer in Texas this past season and in Missouri. Yeah, I killed deer in Missouri, but I think the last time I hunted was probably January 8th or 9th was uh, the season ends on January 15th for archery, yeah. and that was the last time I went deer hunting. It'll start up again for archery September 15th. Yeah. Kelsey, the multi-state Bambi killer. I I can thank my fiancé for that. <laughs> well, 
so did you use an AR or did you use uh, something like this Ruger? Um, not, neither. I actually used a gun closer to the other rifle that we brought. Um, I have a bolt action 300 Winchester short mag that has become my rifle of choice, I guess. I originally bought it for western hunts, but I don't get to do that often, and I get to deer hunt every year, so might as well use it for what it's for. Did you, when you were in Texas shooting, did you did you go after any of the wild boar? Or? Yeah, actually, I did shoot uh, one pig that trip, if I remember right. Um, yeah, one pig. One pig. One pig. I, it, they're, they're, this they're was really, a busy season. <laughs> they're really a problem down there. Oh, yeah. Well, and it was one of those things. Um, so, legal in Texas to bait. You can hunt over feeders. We were sitting in a blind um, over a timed feeder that goes off twice a day. And... The feeder went off, I think it was about 7 in the morning, 7.30, something like that. And several deer were coming in, and it was just getting light enough to see. And all of a sudden, the deer just disappeared, vanished. Scattered. And about 12 pigs came in and just kept running the deer off, kept eating the corn, kept jostling everything around. So we decided that they needed to learn not to run deer off feeders. And, and you only took out one? Oh, they don't like it when a gun goes off at 85 yards from them. They, they, they scattered. Yeah, no, it was not. They were not going to stick around and see what happened. Uh, I think the Motor City Madman, uh, I was talking to him a couple of years ago. We had him on, and uh, he shoots them from the, from a helicopter sometimes. Yeah. Yep, we've played that game a little bit. I've never shot from a helicopter, um, but they the ranch my fiancé worked at did run helicopter hunts. Um, my dad got to work ground crew a couple times where he'd wow. be in the chase truck following the helicopter. Um, but yeah, shooting them out of helicopters with ARs, shotguns, that mini 30 right there, be perfect. All right, Jordan, I'm starting to worry about this fiancé thing because he's in Texas and she's here in Columbia. Oh, he's here now. Yeah, he oh, he's here, here now. He's yep. here now, yep. <laughs> All right, okay, then then we can relax because I, I thought we were going to lose uh, Kelsey and, and that uh, that scared me a bit. <laughs> nope, I pulled him up here. Way to go. Right? Power of women, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you've got these two rifles. Uh, how much uh, for the thir- for the Ruger? She's looking. She forgot. $1,059. $1,059. I didn't want to lie to anybody. Um, <laughs> and this is the standard. It's not the tactical. It does not have the flash suppressor, but it is the black synthetic stock with the stainless uh, action and barrel. I don't know. That makes it look, uh, well... Very scary. It's almost yeah. scary. Yeah. We'll put a fi- smiley face sticker on the uh, stock. Oh, that, you know what? That'll Perfect. do it. You know what? Maybe we can get that company to do this, uh, make it out of Legos. <laughs> Did you see that I story? I saw that. With a, they got a cease and desist, didn't they? Yeah, they got a cease and desist. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, the, there was a company that uh, came up with a, a, a coating for a Glock uh, made out of Legos. And it looked like a toy. It really did. And it really was not. Correct. Uh, but I can see all kinds of bad things happening with that. Yeah, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. But <laughs> it'd be cool if it was a one-off. You know, they make it as a custom piece that, you know, 10 people in the world have. That'd be a fun talking point. But probably not a mass-produced via, uh, weapon. Yeah, not a not a good idea. Uh, we're gonna co- we got uh, we're up against the clock here. We're going to come back and chat a few minutes about uh, the arm braces, the the illegal, legal, illegal, legal, illegal arm braces that uh, ATF is uh, contemplating making illegal again. 
We'll do all that next on the Gary on Gun Show. On Hot Talk 93.9 Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, Kelsey is in from Powderhorn uh, and uh, archery and guns and ammo and targets and just about everything else you can think of. She dragged Jordan in with her as well. Uh, got a message uh, from GaryNolan.com from Mike. He says, I bought a gun from Powderhorn a few years back. They told me they keep the records of the sales for seven years, then they destroy them. Is this still the case? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that may have been receipts, but as far as the background check papers go, um, we're actually supposed to keep those on premises for 20 years. And then we have the option to send them to ATF, um, but we cannot destroy them. Now, receipts, stuff like that, yes, that we save those for uh, in case of, you know, state audits, IRS audits, etc. But Yep. <laughs> yeah. The federal Go government on. stuff, they, they dictate. <laughs> yes. That's, that is not up to us. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, like they don't regulate you guys enough. Well, uh, on premises for 20 years is what kills me. That adds up when you start thinking about uh, average at the powder horn, maybe six to eight banker box full uh, forms uh, per year. So you start getting into a, a storage issue. It, it's a And what lot. is the point of all that? I mean, what do they actually, what do they expect? They cannot maintain a record of who has purchased what for tracing purposes. So since they cannot legally do it, they require us to keep it. And then they contact us to give them the information. Correct. But, but it's not like um, they can accomplish anything by doing this. It's not like they're going to solve crimes 10, 20 years down the road. There's no point in this. This is just making you guys store more and more paper. True, true story, probably. Yeah. I've had some old calls when they call to trace. Um, uh, they call in and they'll say, hey, they'll know that we purchased a firearm from Acme Firearms Company. And the Acme Firearms Company sent us a gun in 1999. Um, August 3rd of 1999 and we'll have to look it up and say what we did with it and their their goal is then to call that individual and then say what did you do with it and then to call that individual now I would assume most of those hit dead ends that are that old but uh, but that's that's what they're required to do and I've had them call for, for pretty old records um, in some of the shops so it happens Jeez, what a <laughs> waste of time and energy yeah. mm -hmm. um, we're talking about um Powderhorn guns and archery, and I was just listening uh, to you talk about restringing uh, the the uh, uh, the bows. Yes. It, how complicated is that? Is that a really complicated thing for some of those bows? It can be. Um, it really depends on the bow. So there's some where, you know, it's a single point on a string that wraps around a cam to a post, you know, and it, it's not that big of a deal. You put it in a press, you change it, you put it back on, you're done. You put it in a press? You yeah. Know, you can't... No, you can't do it by hand. They're under quite a bit of tension. Um, so you basically put it in a press that acts like you're drawing the bow back, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. it compresses the limbs together. Um, yeah. That way we can work with slack string and cables. But some of them you have to entirely remove the cam and axle. Um to change strings, which takes a lot of time. <laughs> Usually they are uh, more labor intensive. They have, you know, more pieces that you have to get back in the exact right spot. Um, and it, yeah, it can take 
time. <laughs> I would think somebody who's at that level would perhaps, and, and you correct me because I don't know, uh, have the equipment necessary to restring them themselves. Not always. Um, Presses are pretty expensive. Uh, yeah. Even the cheap ones are five to $600, and most standard good ones are $1,500, $2,000. And uh, after you're done putting the strings on, you have to uh, tune the bow. So you have to time it. you got to make sure both cams are rolling over at the same time by adjusting the length of the cables. And usually you do that in turns. And then cam lean with yokes. And there's, there's actually a lot that goes into it once you start realizing it. It's fun to play with. It really is uh, to get one in. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes on. Wow. I had no idea it was that complex. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, what about, you know, when I was in college, and I know I've talked about this before, we just, we had an archery class, and I remember taking it, and it was, you know, just a bow and a string that went from the top to the bottom. Like a recurve style. Is that what they call it? Yes, I don't a, single, a single string. Yeah. Basically, the, the riser and limbs are all built into one piece, more or less. Sometimes the limbs are removable. Um, but yeah, it's just a single string, um, and there that's easy. That you can do by hand. You take the string off you put the new one on not that big of a deal um and those are usually the cheapest and fastest to restring obviously how long does it take you to do one of those compound bowls it depends on the bow um a standard uh, uh, well there's no such thing as standard but a relatively normal compound bow um that has one string and two cables 20 minutes 25 minutes um the more complex 20 to 25 minutes how long does it last Depends I mean, on the shooter, but two to five years. So unless they break something, they break something. Yeah. How do they do that? <laughs> two, two, the two biggest causes should, should will we be, get into that? <laughs> will be damaged like equipment. So you have a knock that's damaged and it ends up cutting some of the string. Strings mm-hmm. typically have twelve to sixteen wraps, uh, so individual strings that make up the string. Um, dry fires is a big one, and then carrying it in your case with, uh, with broadheads <laughs> touching the string. <laughs> Wrenches. I'm going to stick with guns. <laughs> but if you're into uh, archery, powder horn guns and archery. Quick break. We'll be back on the Gary and Gun Show. 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> Glad to be with you. Uh, boy, we're talking uh, a little bit about uh, archery here because uh, we uh, are, have uh, powder, horns, uh, powder horn guns and archery on the program with us. And if uh, you're out looking for them, they're at 1915 Paris Road. Uh, and I don't know how I got stuck on the archery. You know what it was? I, I was I was listening to uh, one of our ads where Kelsey is talking about restringing uh, the bows. And so I started asking questions about it because I'm not familiar with it. Um, if I wanted to, uh, it, it, if anybody wanted to, could they go in there and try a little archery just to see? I know you yeah. guys... Yeah, we have Absolutely. a full indoor range, uh, 25 yard, 20, 25 yard range, and we've got bows that they can shoot. And we always recommend that, especially if they're buying a new one. You know, we take them over and let them, let them shoot a little bit, see, see how it does. Now, do you offer classes? Not currently. That's right. Uh, hopefully we get past this pandemic and uh, restrictions and um, hiring problems. And then uh, we can start uh, getting back into that and, and offering our full range of classes again. See, now, I would help you with your hiring problems. When I had some spare time, I would love to go in there uh, and work with you guys. The problem is that I would never come home <laughs> with any money. 
<laughs> you you get used to that after a while, and then it's just fine. The old company store adage, I guess. Oh, yeah. And then it's just fine, really. Yeah, you just you get used to it. So well, uh, I, we can put I, a cot in the store; it'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> Rich cheap. Oh no, no, I'd be I'd be buying guns and ammo and everything. I'd I'd be brokering the Ten Commandments. It would cost me money to go to work in that store. We've had a few employees Wait, like that. You're exactly who we're looking for. So if you want to stop by. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for me as as an employee or a customer? Right. Yes. <laughs> either way, either way, we love everybody. <laughs> oh boy! So uh, anybody who's let me ask you a couple more questions about the archery thing, and then I got to move on and, okay. and talk about um, uh, suing people like you. Oh, Perfect. thanks. <laughs> yeah, I hope we make you feel comfortable and at home here. Sure. Um, if you know, if I buy a car, I know what kind of horsepower and torque come in the motor uh -huh. and if i buy a gun i know how many feet per second i know what kind of stopping power if i buy a bow and arrow and by, by the way saying bow just strikes me as so prehistoric until <laughs> um, you come look at what we've got in here right yeah. now and then you're like wow that's not a bow <laughs> <laughs> yeah i probably wouldn't recognize them but it, do i have a way of knowing or do they compute and say well you know based on the number of wheels and hubs and everything that we've got here <laughs> Yes. Um, you have uh, feet per second is the biggest one. So when a certain weight projectile comes out of it and uh, the, the different arrows are spined and weighed differently for different things, uh, they'll have a, a feet per second rating. And those are the ratings that most people look at, pay attention to. And uh, and those are, those are rated on all the crossbows, all of the uh, compound bows. I've seen them for some recurves. Recurves are different. That's a harder uh, thing to do that with. But So we got recurve, compound, and cross. And that's about it. And then you have some uh, Oneidas and some weird uh, stuff that hybrid exists that stuff. are kind of hybrid stuff. Yeah. And then the crossbows, heck, we've got double barrel. We'll use that term for right now, crossbows now. So, yeah, two, two shots stacked on top of each other. There's, wow. there's some cool stuff. <laughs> that just sounds... Now, when I was uh, in college, uh, we just had a point at the end of the arrow. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, 1937, okay. <laughs> uh, Brian, would you lock him out? And <laughs> Shots fired. Don't let Jordan back in next time. <laughs> we'll just take Kelsey. Uh, oh, that was such a cheap shot. Get <laughs> right in. Uh, <laughs> but it was just a, it was just a point. Uh, but I'm looking at these arrows now, and... They look like, uh, I don't know, there's, it looks like snelled hooks. With, I don't know what the hell they are. But <laughs> I wouldn't want to be hit by one. Yeah, you've got expandable points that will, uh, on contact, will actually expand out to some up to three inches. Most common, inch and a half to two and a quarter inches. And then you've got your fixed blade uh, broadheads that usually have three or four sides. And those will have an inch to an inch and a half cut on them. And, the, yeah, they, they're the technology in bows in the last 15 years, you might even be able to limit that to the last 10 years, has been absolutely stellar. I mean, it's amazing how much they've come. B big jump in popularity with several movies and then several things in society that just made a jump back to archery. And uh, it, it, it's amazing how much it's changed just in the last 10 or 15 years. Did I hear you right? Did you suggest that there are some arrows that expand? The, the, the point. The point like, expands. Mm -hmm. The point expands. So it's like a hollow point bullet? Yeah, you can think of it that way. Similar, so that way it yeah. flies when it's flying through the air. It's not as disturbed because obviously arrows lower speed. So, but, but much like a rifle, there's the arrow is twisting and doing things. And so you have a point that stays closer and smaller while it's flying. And then when it hits resistance of 
of an object, um, the, the, the insides, if you will, the, the blades will come out and be able to cut a wider hole. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like an assault bow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Brian, he's already... We don't need him coming after that next. <laughs> he, he's already talked about how, the high-capacity high capacity bow. Yeah. yeah. Two, you know, two rounds. Two th- how many? Two two rounds. That's, that's two an awful rounds. lot. Oh, yeah. We, Who needs we, that? We can't have that. Yeah, you, you, nobody needs one that uh, shoots that many. <laughs> uh, from GaryNolan.com, James just sent a message. Uh, what was the product name and description of the double-barreled shotgun last week? Oh, that was last week. Um, who was last week, then. Brian? That was uh, uh, that was Modern Arms, wasn't it? Larry Whalen. Yep, yep, yep. Was it Modern Arms? Yeah. Uh, James, contact Modern Arms. Uh, they're the ones that had that. If you want a double-barreled arrow, a bow and arrow, uh, then you want powder horn guns and archery uh, at 1915 Paris Road. Um, when you were talking about ammo, by the way, uh, I didn't hear you say uh, 45 ACP. Do you have any of that? That one, sadly, no. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, not, not as sorry as me. <laughs> I did have a whole box of 10 millimeter. Well, that would be even more fun. Yeah. yeah. Had. Keyword had. Had. Yeah. <laughs> Keyword yeah. had. <laughs> Oh boy! So, and and I noticed this because you guys have a Facebook page, yes, uh, and it is Powderhorn Guns and Archery, and you posted uh, as we talked about earlier in the program when you got a huge uh, load of ammo. Do you do that every time? Yes and no. Um, we have to get enough to actually support a Facebook post because <laughs> if I get like six boxes and post it, people get really mad when it's gone before the post clears. Um, which is completely understandable. And then uh, when we get variety, you know, we've we've been getting enough 9mm, 223, 308, stuff like that to kind of keep it more or less available. Um, but it's nice when we get a little bit of different stuff. You know, the 40 we hadn't seen for a while. Um, the 10mm, I hadn't had really any in several months. Um, so when we get good variety, when we get good options, that's usually when we start to put it out there. I'm looking, by the way, at this uh, picture of the, uh, the 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 target range for the bow and arrow thing, and I have visions of <laughs> your air conditioning ducts <laughs> having holes in them. They do. <laughs> they do. Um, we have not, knock on wood, we have not had a light taken out yet, and I don't know how. Um, it has been very close on many occasions. But, yeah, the ducts have holes, the ceiling, the wall. The ceiling, how do you hit the ceiling? I guess I very probably carefully. Come on in. We'll show you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I intend to do that. I'm going to go in there and and give this a try because I've never, uh, I've you know I've never fired a compound bow or, or some of these other devices. Um, I've, a, a regular bow, yes, but uh, not this. <laughs> and do all the same rules apply? You know, pulling it back to your ear or whatever. Yeah. And, and we'll we'll obviously give you basic pointers as far as form and stuff like that goes. Um, we don't want you to hurt yourself, which is extremely possible. Um, so we'll make sure it's set up to the correct length, weight. You know, we'll make sure you're shooting an arrow that is proper for the bow you're shooting, and then uh, we will give you some basic basic pointers and then uh, let you have some fun. Yeah, I'm remembering my uh, first few classes where my forearm was red, correct, uh, and uh, scraped. Uh, because I had didn't know to, you know, bring that elbow out. Right. Um, all right. We're up against the clock. Got a quick break coming up, and then we'll talk about suing people in, in the firearms industry. Because a California judge 
saying, yeah, it's okay. We'll talk about that next. Gary Ann Kahn's Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, it's 49 minutes after the hour. Kelsey and Jordan are in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery and Ammo and Targets and everything else you can think of and holsters and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, by the way, we talked about the rifles, uh, but we did not talk about that Smith & Wesson governor. So the governor um, is kind of one of those very interesting guns. Uh multi-caliber multi-purpose um much like the taurus judge only better it will shoot the 45 long colt 410 shotgun shells and unlike the judge this gun can actually also shoot 45 acp with moon clips what yeah um serious and it's a six shotgun instead of five um they currently offer basically two variations you get an all-black gun with the night sight which is a glow-in-the-dark front sight um which is the gun we have here now or a solid stainless version that has just standard sights. I am liking this. They're not easy to come by right now, like most everything else. Um, in fact, this one is actually spoken for. Um, we oh, had good, a guy. Kelsey. Yeah, thank no. you. You brought one. <laughs> this is like talking rope to somebody whose father was hungry. <laughs> You're breaking people's hearts here. It's not my fault. We had a guy come in like 20 minutes before we closed last night. And, of course, <laughs> I picked the guns um, yesterday evening that we were going to bring in. And I had a guy walk in, and he's like, I heard you guys have a governor. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. And he ended up putting it on layaway. Um, so you can look at it. Um but you can't buy it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a raise before you fire you, so yeah. you, you lose a better job. Um, we'll we'll taunt you with this terrific firearm, and then we'll take. We uh, will get more. You will get more. We You've got them more. on order. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, so it, apparently he just heard about it and went right down there. So the demand for this must be pretty high. Yeah. I hadn't seen this before. And they're not so uh, obviously. Taurus has had the judge out for a really long time. The governor's been out for a long time. Um, but it's one of those things. A lot of people really like them for home defense um, because you can, in fact, shoot a shotgun shell out of a handgun for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, I want to dispel a little bit of a, a myth about that shotgun thing. Um, everybody thinks that you don't have to be real careful. Or, you know, you don't have to be dead nuts on when you aim uh, because the shotgun's going to spread out like a funnel inverted. Uh, but you got to have a lot of distance before that starts to spread out. Depending on the choke style in the gun and the shells you're shooting, yes, it does take several feet before they do start to open up. Um, I have a friend that will remain unnamed that accidentally poked a hole in the ceiling of his mom's house. Uh, oh. he, he forgot he took the plug out. Oh. He'd left it for for defense while he was out of town. He got home, racked three out of it, wasn't thinking, shouldered his gun and pulled the trigger. Um, oh. I know other people that have done that that will remain unnamed. <laughs> um, it happens. It happens all the time. That's one of the most common things with a shotgun. People are either making a plug because they lost theirs, checking length, not paying attention. Um, say you're watching TV at the same time you're doing it or otherwise distracted and you forget it held four, not three, and you pull three out because you're used to it holding three, and there you go. Um, but, yeah, it was, I mean, he was probably eight feet from the muzzle of the shotgun, from the bore to the ceiling, and it poked a hole about the size of a tangerine um, yeah, with, I'm like, trying, high brass sixes. I'm trying right now to imagine explaining to my wife or my mother, 
uh, why there's a big hole in the ceiling. She was standing there when he did it, I think, oh so there God. was no explanation needed. Oh, jeez, that's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, shotguns are great for home defense. You just got to keep in mind what kind of shells you're going to use, what shot size, um, your average distances, and how you know how tight you want that choke or how much you want it to expand. Um, every talk, everybody talks about you know double lot buck being the best home defense thing, yada yada yada. And to an extent, yeah, I would agree. But you got to remember, double lot in a two and three quarter inch twelve gauge. There's nine pellets in there. They're big. Mm. They will poke through drywall. They don't expand very much because you don't have that much shot. Um, so you go to a smaller shot size, number four buck, something like that. You get more pellets. You're still doing lots of damage, but less likely, you know, if you're in an apartment complex or something like that, to poke your neighbor. But you do have to. You do have to aim. Uh, it's not oh, yeah. like it just pull you can't the trigger. Just, yeah. And it's going to go. Um, and there are, there's a lot of uh, different opinions. Well, not a lot. There's only a couple of different opinions. But they are pretty firmly, uh, people who are pretty firmly set in their camp uh, for home defense. Uh, I think we all agree we use the pistol uh, to get to the next stage of self-defense, uh, which is either the rifle or the shotgun. Uh, so I'll start with Jordan. Uh, which one do you prefer, a, a rifle or a shotgun? I prefer a rifle, but <clears throat> I... Higher capacity, quicker reload um, for me to be able to, to get to. Nothing wrong with a shotgun. It's just a uh, preference of how many rounds it usually takes and how many times you miss. So I, I like having that. But I've also spent a lot of time shooting. I mean, a lot of time shooting. So that probably influenced that decision. Well, I, I'm kind of in your camp on this. Uh, I mean, I understand why people like the shotgun. But still, uh, Kelsey, where do you stand on this? Whatever's closest. Um I know that sounds yeah, horrible. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't, <laughs> that sounds horrible. Does. No, um, I'm I'm a handgun person through and through. Um, I do. I own several shotguns. I hunt with shotguns. I cannot shoot a shotgun to save my life at anything moving. I have lots of people that have witnessed that, including the man to my right, Jordan. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of those things. I I'm I'm more comfortable with a handgun. Um, I'm more comfortable with a rifle if I'm push to the point of needing something larger, I will probably go for a rifle. I, was, I went to a, uh, there was a charitable uh, shoot uh, at a local range, uh, and I went with Larry Whalen. He, of all the people, he picked me uh, to be his partner on this, and it was, uh, it was, it was, re it was embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I don't know why it's so challenging for me, and I know I should go out and practice this. It's, it's a skill I should develop. Uh, but you, uh, shotgun and Kelsey, I'm telling you, you and I could go out and set the world's record for lousy. I, it's, it's almost embarrassing. Yeah. But not quite. I mean, like if it's got feathers on it, I'm more likely to hit it. Ducks, geese, doves. But those little orange clay birds that fly through the air, I, I don't know. <laughs> My brain just says nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like I feel sorry for them. Not the gonna eat way, it. Nope. <laughs> the only way they break is when they hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise. And people that, well, you host a gun show, you ought to be good at that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Technically proficient. Yeah. Nope. Not here. Um, all right. Let's move on. In California, a judge has ruled that victims uh, of the shooting in a synagogue back in 2019 can sue the weapons manufacturer and the gun shop that sold the semi-automatic rifle to the teenage gunman. Um, one worshiper was killed. Three were wounded. Uh, Superior Court judge uh, said that uh, the victims and the families connected to the shooting have adequately alleged that the uh, gunmaker, Smith & Wesson, 
knew its AR-15 style rifle could be easily modified into a machine gun-like or assault weapon in violation of state law. A 2005 federal law shields gun makers from damages in most cases for crimes committed with their weapons, but it allows lawsuits if the manufacturer was negligent. This is a dangerous precedent. All right, we got to run. We are clean out of time. Head over to Powderhorn and pick up your guns and archery and targets and all that stuff. Jordan, Kelsey, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, whatever it is in life you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your life. You make it happen. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming home.